Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men quit pornography. So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey, everyone. I'm here today with my friend, Sathya Sam, my fellow Canadian. Sathya, what's up? Hey, what's up? A fellow Canadian. That sounds nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, uh, we've both lived in the Toronto area, and now you're the founder of Deep Clean, helping men quit porn. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, for starters, thanks for having me, Drew. Um, I've been tracking your stuff for a while now since I've kind of been in this space, and you have amazing work, so it's really cool to be on the podcast. Um, Deep Clean for me is, uh, is really uh, the final staple, I guess, in a, a long journey of trying to quit porn. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid, actually. I'm a grand pastor's kid, a great grand pastor's kid. It, it runs Woo. pretty deep in the generations. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up knowing right from wrong, obviously, at a pretty young age, uh, not just like morally, but really uh, spiritually, um, but struggled with porn since I was 11. And it wasn't until I got into my 20s that I started to actually try to get free and realized I had no idea how to do it. I kind of always just assumed one day I'd be able to stop, um, but the roots were pretty deep. So it took me years to find solutions that actually worked. And when I was in that process of seeking solutions and because there was such a lack, I had made up my mind, one day I will get free and I will do everything I can to help other guys get free in a much shorter span of time. And uh, voila, we have Deep Clean. So I've been free for four years now and I started, uh, well, the inception of Deep Clean happened about two years ago. And I've kind of been doing it a bit more formally the last year and a half. Awesome. Four years. We got to celebrate that. Yeah, man. That's a big deal. And so what were some of those deeper roots for you? Um, so most of them boiled down to two things. One was emotional health uh, or emotional fitness. That's a term I like to throw around quite a bit. And uh, dealing with wounds from the past. So... Uh, the one story I use quite often to just illustrate the concept is uh, probably the last nail in the coffin uh, as far as resolving root issues goes was I was in a session uh, with, a, with a trained professional and we're just talking through and it wasn't to get specific help in this area. It was more just a, it was for Sathya, like it was just to get overall development and some healing. So we're in this session and somehow my relationship with my mom comes up and we're talking about it and I've I have a very positive view of both of my parents. Um, like childhood wounds for me are not like a, it's not top of mind almost ever because I had a good childhood. They were kind, loving, safe, all of that. My mom is quite um, shy in her personality um, and just a little bit more reserved in general. And part of that's like uh, Indian culture and part of that is her personality. So in this session, I make this discovery that actually because of my mom's more timid nature, I've grown up most of my life feeling neglected by her. I honestly had, it was the, if you ever told me that, even if you could observe it in my body language, the way I talked about her, I would have never believed you. It, it, Cause it, it was so far from the way I perceive my mom and my relationship with her. But it was a huge discovery for me. And it, it explained why there's been kind of this void in my heart for a very long time that I've been filling with porn and masturbation and all these kinds of sexual behaviors. Um, and it all stemmed from, yeah, a feeling of neglect. So that was a huge part for me was, um, was just uh, 
labeling it, uh, digesting the pain of it, and then reaching a place where I could forgive and release. Um, and that had a major, I mean, that really curbed my temptations and my urges and just the level of power that I had uh, against those things. So that, that was probably one of the most pivotal things for me in getting free. Wow. So you felt neglected and overlooked. And how did that shape the specific themes that you sought out? Like what did porn offer to your heart? Uh, affirmation. That was the biggest thing. Um, I'm uh, like in the love language sector, I am a words of affirmation and a quality time guy. So uh, my mom was great in the quality time arena, uh, but not as strong in words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. So I naturally just saw affirmation in, in other places. And it wasn't just sexual things. It was even just it's like flirting with girls and whatever else. And obviously, like we all do these things for different reasons. It's unique to the individual. But for me, it was getting that sense of self-worth and that affirmation from a female that I wasn't getting um, in my relationship with my mom. This story is so perfectly illustrating something that I say all the time, which is porn is not your problem. Porn is your solution to the real problem. Wow. No? Yeah. Right. Your real problem was feeling neglected, feeling this void and this vacuum of affirmation and porn was the solution you were turning to in order yes. to fill that void. And so now once you name that and you begin to process it and, and go through that deep, painful process of grieving and forgiveness, then you can seek new solutions. Yes, exactly. So that's fantastic. Um, what were some of those solutions for you? Um, so I'm really big on forgiveness. I think that was one of the biggest things for me because it's one thing to label the dynamic but it's another thing to release my mom from that kind of responsibility. Like we can't go back in time and change what's happened. And I don't expect her to start to meet those needs for me now. I was 26 years old at the time when I made this discovery or 25, I think. So she doesn't owe me anything. But if I'm living still with the pain and the disappointment and I may be holding it against her or whatever, then that's actually my problem. That has nothing to do with her. So forgiveness was the biggest thing. And it, I mean, forgiveness of her was huge. Obviously, we've kind of isolated this incident. But I mean, I had to forgive exes. I had to forgive past authority figures in my life. Like mm -hmm. this was a very long journey of working through different wounds of the past and stuff right. and reaching a place of forgiveness. So I think forgiveness was the biggest one. Um, and then I, I do talk a little bit about emotional fitness. And for me, the um, probably the overarching term in all of that is self-awareness. It's just building an awareness of self. Um, because otherwise, like I was basically just a victim to my thoughts and my desires and nobody could help me because I didn't have awareness. So starting to cultivate a regular awareness and being able to catch things early uh, is huge. It's really the difference between being proactive and reactive uh, in your fight against porn. So I think that was the other thing. And that takes a lot of intentionality. I'm big on journaling. So just journaling regularly and building that habit of tuning in. And I had a couple mentors who really pushed me in this area because they could tell I was quite emotionally blocked and unaware. Um, but those are probably the two big areas, forgiveness, uh, just healing in relationships, and then emotional fitness, um, specifically building self-awareness. That's fantastic. Sathya, when you say this, I'm thinking about some viewers or listeners who might be thinking, yeah, my parents loved me too, and I had a great childhood, so therefore, I don't need to do this deeper work. Uh, just give me more purity grooves. Just give me more accountability. What do you say to that person? 
I say woof. <laughs> um, no, I, I get it. I mean, I honestly, I grew up with that kind of thinking because, like I said, I actually had really good parents uh, and a good upbringing. I think um, there's a difference between uh, having a good parent and a perfect parent. The good parent exists. We need more of them in our society. Uh, the perfect parent does not. There's no such thing. And I think when it comes to uh, getting healing from the past, the the difference between just getting professional help and getting um, I guess professional help with a spiritual element is you're able to transfer some of your expectations and your needs onto somebody who is actually perfect. And that is God himself. And that's the only way that those needs in you actually get perfectly met is if you have a perfect source. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how good your parents are. They're not going to be good enough to perfect those needs in you. You actually need a perfect source, and that's where God comes into the picture. So I think that's an important thing to distinguish, that your parents did an amazing job if you have good parents, and they've given you good patterns that you need to build on um, in your relationship with God and in your healing process with the Lord. So I think um, that's probably the first thing I would say. And I would, the second thing is that the thing about like healing or digging into your past, it's, it's, it's sort of got this connotation that it's like it's messy and it's uncomfortable and it's painful and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Those elements are all part of it. Like, there's no denying that. But for me, the reason I did that is for myself. It was actually for my own good. And I become a better person. I become a better follower of Christ, a better son of God, a better husband, a better friend. Like, everything in my life has improved because of that journey. It, it wasn't, like you said, it, porn was not really the problem. The, the issues were much more personal. And because I resolved those issues at such a deep level, everything in my life has impacted as a result. And I think that's the added benefit of just going beyond the, yeah, I had a good childhood. I think I'm good. Um, do it for yourself. Like you're good, but you could be great. You could be even better if yeah. you dug a little bit deeper and resolve some of these issues. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I've experienced that same joy and purpose and wholeness that comes when we choose to descend into the parts of our past, of ourselves that we don't like um, yeah. or that still need attention and we always need more attention something i liked about what you said is how god coming into this equation changes it and for me one of the things is realizing that because i do have a perfect father a perfect parent in the lord that actually enables me to look at my own parents first of all with more compassion and also with more honesty um they have been sinned against and they have sinned against me. And so there's not a, there's not a dichotomy between honoring my parents and being honest about their flaws and their shortcomings. I mean, ultimately our parents are not God and because yeah. God exists, they don't have to be. Exactly. And that's actually quite liberating. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, one of the aspects of deep clean is going deep into your past. And then you also talked about emotional fitness. I've never heard anyone put it quite like that before. What does that mean for you? Okay. There's a difference between health and fitness. Um, so the what? Classic mind blown. <laughs> yeah. So obviously like this is easiest to articulate in the physical realm. So um, I always use like, I actually use myself as a great example right now. Um, because I just had surgery on my knee back in December. Um, I tore my ACL playing basketball in the summer and I needed to get an operation. So, I mean, some of you guys are going to be watching the video for this. So you can see me like I look reasonably healthy. 
Um, I'm kind of thin, trim. Uh, you know, I'm I'm whatever. I'm you look I'm good. Thank you, thank you. So I, you know, I eat well and I do exercise a little bit um, on a regular basis. I certainly did it more before my injury, but I've been quite limited. So I'm still healthy. There's there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not overweight. But um, I'm not able to run yet. Like I'm still doing rehab from my surgery. Uh, I actually can't even go for a jog right now. So um, I just have to be nice to my knee basically. It takes about a full year uh, to completely recover. So that's actually no problem. I'm still healthy. Like I can still eat well. I can avoid junk food. Um, and I can do a little bit of exercise to kind of get my heart rate going so that I maintain some level of, of fitness. But if I, um, just to like bring a really extreme example, if I'm camping with some friends and we wake up in the morning and it turns out there's a bear on the campsite and he's looking for some flesh to eat i'm like prime bear food right now because as healthy as i am i'm actually not fit enough to outrun that bear so being healthy is great but it actually doesn't help me in those situations where i have a curveball a sudden change in the environment something unexpected or unpredictable I'm not apt to respond in those scenarios because it's in this case, it's because of my knee. So similarly, you can be emotionally healthy. You can actually have a pretty good balance in your relationships. You can be getting your needs met regularly and whatever else. But emotional fitness is just the next degree where when you encounter crisis, when you encounter uh, an unexpected situation, a, a drastic change in a relationship, whatever it might be, you're actually apt. You're, you're able to respond. And it doesn't mean that you don't have the roller coaster of emotions. It just means that you're actually not panicked about it because you're resourced, you have the tools and you have the confidence to know I can handle this. I know what to do. Um, and I think that's the difference between health and fitness. Um, it's, it's just taken it to the next degree and it's best revealed by how you handle crisis or unexpected changes. Man, that's so good. So what you're saying is some of us might feel like oh, I'm sexually healthy or I'm I'm in reasonably good condition. And yet, if there was a wave of grief or um, let's say a global pandemic, for example, uh, <laughs> hits us, we're going to be in danger of relapse much more than if we were actually fit. Exactly. Yeah. Let me, let me give you another angle on this. Um, when my wife and I started dating, um, I had been free for uh, not a very long time, maybe like nine to 12 months. It was somewhere in there. And that was a neat part of my story because I had always prayed that I would be free before I met my future wife. Um, so we started dating and um, we were very vocal about um, about kind of our, our past and our histories, but also just wanting to maintain purity in our relationship. And uh, we, did a, we did a really good job of it. But there was a season uh, about a year and a half in where I was not doing very well. I had moved cities, I'd switched jobs, switched churches, was rebuilding my social life, and I really wasn't doing well. And, um, and it was date night. And I can remember just, I was feeling so tempted to look at porn. And this is after now, it's been probably 18, 20 months since I had done it. And I'm feeling super tempted, it's date night. And my wife and I had really strict boundaries in our dating relationship. So I'm also like, my brain is going to those places of how can I push the boundaries? Uh, as your brain does when it has these needs. Yeah. So we're, um, we're pulling into the driveway and I just remember thinking, I could, I could try to white knuckle tonight and just hope that I make it through and just you know pray that we somehow preserve our purity or I could actually just talk to her about it right now, let her know where I'm at, explain what's going on 
And um, so we're pulling in the driveway and she's getting out of the car. And I said, wait, wait, babe, just hold on. And I just explained to her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling all these things. I'm feeling stressed and kind of isolated and lonely and da, 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 da. And I've really been feeling tempted to watch porn today. And I'm concerned about our boundaries uh, as we have date night. So can you just help me a little bit? Like, I think we just need to be extra on guard tonight because of where I'm at. And um, that, that to me was probably the first time I had a little bit of a glimpse into, okay, I was actually pretty healthy up until that point. I wasn't doing anything bad and I was doing mostly good things. Mm. But I think that's the added degree of just that, that high awareness, that ability to communicate and kind of dissipate any threats that could come to your sexual or your emotional well-being. That's kind of what fitness looks like for me. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is there are a few components of fitness. One of them being that self-awareness of knowing what I'm feeling, being able to identify it, and then also the extra step of communicating it to somebody else proactively, not just in the aftermath. Yes. And, and so doing this allowed you to respond to all of the difficulties we're facing instead of reacting to them. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's the yeah. beauty of it. Yeah. This and is I good think, stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I think in general, fitness is proactive. So I think that's the biggest component. It's just having a proactive mindset because usually we don't have any problem imagining what things would happen after the math, like the consequences. Uh, we don't always ask ourselves, what can I do to prevent it? And so for me, even in my relationship with my wife, that was quite pivotal for us relationally because in that moment, I realized I would rather confess a temptation than confess a mistake. And yes, so it, amen. It, so it's a very different approach to relationship, right? But for us, it's been very healthy. And that proactive approach, I mean, yeah, you can spread that all across the board. It's going to be helpful pretty much no matter what. Completely agree. Love that quote. And for everybody out there, confess your temptations. Like, first of all, uh, not only are we forgiven for any kind of sin, but temptation is not even a sin. Yeah. And yet we're so ashamed of it. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because we kind of beat ourselves up sometimes for just having a temptation when yeah. Jesus was tempted in every way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And simply having sexual attractions and having sexual urges is a good and beautiful thing. It's part of what we need to learn how to accept and to embrace in ourselves. Um, it's not evidence that something's wrong with us. That is evidence of this purity culture mindset that we're still carrying around. Uh, you know, the sex is bad mentality. So, Sathya, my new favorite word in the year 2020 is alexithymia. Alexithymia means I'm not aware of what I'm feeling. So, huh. when you're working with a guy or with yourself and you're not aware of what you're feeling, how do you figure it out? Wow. All right. I'm learning, I'm learning stuff on this podcast. <laughs> alexithymia. This is great. Um, okay. Well, at the end of the day, you, you need something that's going to help you tap into what's going on. The, if you're unaware, if you have alexithymia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a name. Like I'm going to name my next child <laughs> Alexa. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to start talking about Amazon or something like Alexa and all that. <laughs> Alexa, yeah. <laughs> um, alexithymia obviously is, I guess, revealing a disconnect between there's stuff going on and there's a lack of awareness. So all you need is something that pulls those things that are going on anyway into your conscious, into your awareness. So the two best things are questions 
and journaling, in my opinion. Journaling's more of a, that's more of a subjective opinion, but I think we could all agree uh, that questions are very helpful. So that's why going to a trained professional, it can be really insightful because you have somebody who actually is, they're basically trained to ask you questions. They're not trained to fix your problems for you uh, or offer advice. Their main job typically is to ask questions to help you make those discoveries. Um, and questions are so powerful because they, they actually force us to explore that realm that is, it, it exists, all those things exist, but we don't necessarily know. Um, journaling is helpful because it instills that practice on a regular basis. So my journaling always starts off, well, I always start it with gratitude, but then when I get into the meat of it, it's always a question. It's question-based. It's how, uh, like, what are my thoughts about this? How am I feeling about this? I'm, I'm doing it to myself, basically. I'm asking the questions so that I go into those places. So I think having those kinds of things in place is really helpful. Um, you actually don't necessarily need a trained professional. Sometimes people are fortunate enough to find friends who even just do this for them and can ask the questions and be the sounding board. Um, so there's lots of different ways, but whatever it is, it has to somehow pull those things that are subconscious into the conscious realm. That's, that's really what self-awareness is. Um, and I think, to me, I think uh, asking questions, uh, especially with trained professionals and journaling, those are probably the two best methods I've discovered in my mm -hmm. journey. Yeah, that's so good. And there are so many questions to ask, um, you know, like what's happening in your body right now? Um, is it, is it in your chest? Is it a uh, pain in your head? And like, you know, kind of bridging the gap between what I'm thinking and like my sensations. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess like, I mean, the first realm of asking questions maybe is just the labeling mm -hmm. of it, like being able to say I'm angry or right. whatever, but you're right. There's actually, there's so many dimensions to it. The, the physiological aspects, uh, the thoughts and the beliefs that are associated with it. Some of the contributing experiences from your past, like there's so many different elements to it and you just have to keep asking those questions to become more aware. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the question that, that hits me the most, uh, you talk about experiences from the past is when have I felt this way before? Yes. Yes. I love that, man. That's great. It's like, oh, wow. I was seven years old um, in my garage and my dad was yelling at me or yeah. I was uh, 13 years old and found that my private parts were exposed in public or I'm, I'm just kind of giving a laundry list of my own life. But <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, it's like those feelings are there for a reason, you know? And until we do this good work of journaling or of talking with somebody who can mirror back to us what's happening, like, we just have no clue. We have no clue that we're reenacting and replaying these events um, and, and these storylines that, that are still controlling us. So, yeah. man, I am just super excited about this. This is like my favorite thing in the world. Um, <laughs> and it's just so cool. Like when you get this awareness, okay, now... It doesn't have to control me anymore. Now I can make these choices on purpose. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole goal of this. Like you and I are in the business of freedom. We want people to experience more freedom in their lives. And to me, freedom is the power of choice. So it's oh, good. When, yeah, when you're not aware, you actually don't have a choice. You are completely victim to whatever your patterns are. Um, and you know, like I'll talk to guys who say, when I see an attractive girl, I can't help but check her out. So that kind of language, like I can't help but, mm -hmm. it's powerless language that reveals the absence of choice. And where there's no choice, there's no freedom. So that is the beauty of self-awareness is you become aware 
Uh, you have a consciousness about it. And now your mind is actually empowered to make a choice to explore your other options. And you have some power in the matter and where there's power, there's freedom. So yeah, that's everything. I love that. This is so good. Um, what strikes me is the difference between what you just said and the version of freedom that's often promoted in recovery groups or uh, books on sexual purity and things like that, where uh, they're saying, okay, you need to restrict your devices and you need to do uh, exactly this regiment and routine every single week. And uh, you need to avoid all these places. It, to me, it feels like exchanging one prison cell for another. Yeah. And maybe yeah, I'm, oh, I, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I, I totally agree. I think um, one of the biggest mistakes that people make in the area of, of recovery in general, like to broaden it a bit more, not just porn recovery, but recovery from anything, is they overemphasize the behavior and underemphasize the internal. Um, but all behavior is rooted in belief. Um, so the, the, the problem is people try to just modify behavior instead of dealing with the contributing factors underneath. Um, whereas if you just can focus more on the underlying factors, the behaviors take care of themselves anyway. So I couldn't agree more. This is awesome. If you want to get help to outgrow pornography that goes deeper than behavior, I recommend connecting with Sathya. How can people contact you, ma'am? Uh, yeah, so the easiest way is just through my website. That's sathiasam.com, S-A-T-H-I-Y-A-S-A-M.com. Um, there's more information about what I do there. Um, I have an online course and some coaching resources and that kind of thing. And yeah, would would love to connect with your audience, Drew. Um, I know you've got an amazing following of guys who want to get free and uh, would love to connect with you guys. Yeah, we're small but mighty and we're, we're growing. <laughs> Sathya... Yeah. What is your favorite thing about freedom from porn? Um, you know, you told me you're uh, you're going to ask this in advance, so I've had a bit of time to think about it. And um, the first thing that came to my mind, I wasn't sure about initially, but actually, when I thought more about it, I feel good about saying this. But it's actually just being able to enjoy sexuality in my marriage. That that has been huge for me. Um, one of my uh, one of my resources in my journey to freedom was actually seeing uh, a counselor myself. And when we started talking about marriage and stuff, he had actually expressed that even he sometimes still has a guilt about experiencing sex with his wife just because of his past and some of the stuff he's been working through. And I wondered if that was going to be the case for me. But up until this point, I've just I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, like I said, we were really intentional about our dating relationship and when we were engaged. And I know that if I wasn't free of porn, there's no chance I'd be experiencing sex the way I am right now in my marriage. So that, that is by far the thing I enjoy the most about being free. It's an amazing feeling. It's a beautiful thing. It is. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. And uh, it was great to do this. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. For everyone else out there, always remember you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well-pleased.